Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Monday, May 13th, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 2. There is a solution on page 25. We are on third paragraph, which begins with, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, and ends on the top of page 26 with willing to make the effort. Today's readers are Anita B., Lindsay W., Lisa B., Craig S., and Janice T. The share ID for yesterday, Sunday, May 12, 2019, special edition meeting is 12,893. That is 12893. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita B. to read the OA 12 Steps. Thank you, Rebecca. Anita B. here from New Jersey. Uh, Here are the steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service. I pass. 
Oh, thanks so much, Anita B., for doing service. I will now ask Lindsay W. to read the OA-12 Traditions. Hi, good morning. It's Lindsay W. I'm a compulsive overeater in Houston, Texas. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. I pass. Thanks, Lindsay W., for the service you did provide to us today. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 2. There is a solution on page 25. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, and ends on the top of page 26 with, willing to make the effort. I will now ask Lisa B. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning. My name is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. If you are as 
Seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. The other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and we were willing to make the effort. Well, this is such a powerful paragraph. The first thing that comes into my mind is that I was convinced that my unhappiness and frustration in life and just difficulty in living life was all about outside, outer circumstances. And I had no idea that my attitude and frustration was all about me being an untreated compulsive overeater. I lived for many, many years in that middle-of-the-road solution. So what is a middle-of-the-road solution? Well, in AA, they call it meeting-based sobriety. In OA, I've heard it called tool-based recovery. Just relying on getting to a meeting to get a little bit of relief, making an outreach call to get a little bit of glimpse of relief. And I thought that that's as good as it's going to get. I never believed that I could get abstinent, live in abstinence and be happy. I just never equated the two together, abstinence and happiness. Well, the middle of the road solution worked for me for a while. And, you know, the scary thing about this illness is that I feel, I believe, I have found, that it is possible for me to live to maybe be 100 years old and never get recovered. And that was so frightening to me. And then I heard on this meeting here, this healthy OA meeting, and it's healthy because we're living in the solution of the big book, that my mind is the worst aspect of this illness and my mind is always going to take me back to the food. So the 12 steps brings about a recovered state in my mind and in my spirit. So I want to talk about some of the words. Um, Seriously, they're talking about seriously alcoholic. What I used to do 10 years ago or 20 years ago, like stopped working for me. The, the illness is progressive. So I had to become seriously alcoholic as a compulsive overeater. And seriously means in a sincere manner, with earnestness. The opposite would mean, oh, just a little bit, just somewhat. I have to be seriously alcoholic as a compulsive overeater in order to get recovered, in order to want to get recovered. And that's what they talk about the end of the reading, you know, because they honestly wanted to. And what does that word middle mean? It means equally distant from the extremes. Well, I can't be in the middle if I'm going to get recovered. I have to see that I'm desperate, dying, and doomed, even though I may not show the outer manifestation in my body, even though I still have my job, my house, my marriage, and I'm still somewhat functioning. But I'm just dead inside but functioning. And then the word honestly means truthful with fair and sincerity. And um, I guess, you know, I just want to say that this is a wonderful way of life. I had no idea being recovered was what it really meant. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. If you would like to share on the third, this third paragraph on page 25 in the big book and haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Matt M. I think I heard Matt M. Katie C. Romit. Bob. 
Shlomit Khana B. Katie G. from Boston. I heard Katie G. Shlomit Khana B. Khana B. Kim G. I think I heard Larry B. Larry K., I mean. Okay, I have six here. I'm going to stop there, and I know there were many more. I'm so sorry, but that's just who I heard and got written down. So it was Matt M., Bob, Katie G., Shlomi, Hannah, I forget, Larry K., and Devorah S. Matt M., please go ahead. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. with Impulsive Over Here from New Jersey. Yeah, I really need to hear that being seriously ill because I'm definitely one of compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. You know, back in the day, a couple of years ago, I got up almost 700 pounds, and that's a lot of desperation. That's a lot of uh, not living life on life's terms. It's a lot of uh, eating myself to death, you know, eating, uh, eating to live, not living to eat instead of eating to live. And um, I really realized that finally something broke in me that finally told me I needed help. So I'm very grateful I came into the rooms. It took me 10 years to finally get it. That I need to go and, and get a really good big book sponsor. And I really had to find a solution in this book. You know, I, I floundered for years in the rooms, going up and down the scale, just not really working the program, be it being there but not really being there. And uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a ghost. I want to be front and center. I want to be involved. In the program, I need to be involved in the program 100% in order to be alive and to survive, you know. I want to thrive. I don't want to just exist. I'm very grateful today that this program is here because it's given me a new, a new way of life, acting on life rather than reacting to it, and that's just a new way of living. And uh, it's teaching me how to react to people in a positive way. Whether to, And if I ever have a negative experience with a person, I learn that it's just experience. It's not a positive or negative. It's just an experience that I've had. So I'm looking at my life in a much different way now, in a much better way. I'm very grateful this program is here and grateful this meeting is here. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Um, Bob, and your initial? Bob B. Hi, Bob. Go right ahead, Bob B. This paragraph reminds me of the importance of having a spiritual awakening. Uh, when I came into OA 27 years ago, I didn't uh, have a a strong relationship with my higher power that I do today. And August 27th, the Voices of Recovery um, really hit me at some point along the way. Uh, And I didn't, part of it says, I didn't realize that God grieved over every extra bite that I took. I didn't think God had time for me uh, to do that. I thought he had other things to do. But today, I believe that God cares about me every moment of every day, uh, and he loves me no matter what I do, uh, and he's always available to me. But I must remember one word that's part of my six A's in my program. The first is, uh, the first word in that that six A's is awareness. I have to be aware that I was a, a member of OA, or I could be a member of OA and it existed. Secondly, I had to accept that I had the disease. And third is the absolute key word for me in my relationship with my higher power, and that word is ask. I have to ask my higher power for guidance before I take the action, because if I don't do that, it's going to be my ego that acts. So asking my higher power for the, for the action leads me to the action, which is a fourth A. 
And the fifth A is um, amnesia. I can walk out of a meeting in just life on life's terms and forget everything I have have learned in the meetings. That's why I have to keep coming back. And the sixth A is abstinence. And to me, abstinence is is a physical, emotional, and spiritual. Uh, and without that abstinence, I don't have a relationship with my higher power. There isn't any direct contact with my higher power that I can have if I'm not abstinent. But the abstinence creates a relationship with a higher power that I can depend on. And I can tell you in the last two weeks, uh, I have been working my higher power over time. Um, and my higher power just laughs when I tell him that. But it is amazing what, if I rely on my higher power, the answers I get and the guidance that I get. And part of that for me is writing a letter to my higher power and my higher power writing back to me every day. And in that way, I keep the relationship and I keep perspective on my life. And I'm grateful that I have the awareness today. And I'll pass. Thank you, Bob B. Katie G. Good morning, Rebecca. Katie G. Recovered in Boston. And um, yeah, I'm just thinking of that middle of the road solution. One of uh, my recovered teachers talks about as addicts, you ask us a yes or no question, and it takes us 20 minutes to answer. So middle of the road solution, are you abstinent? Well, kind of. All right, so let me break that down. For me, that means I'm eating. <laughs> there's no there's no kind of abstinent. You're either abstinent or you're not. Do you have a sponsor? Um, it's complicated. No, 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 it's not. If I'm living in the middle of the road, if I'm avoiding extremes, it's complicated, right? But I either have a sponsor or I'm not. Am I, are you doing the steps? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so these are the middle-of-the-road solutions, and um, they took me a long time to answer, and, and today I know they're not. They're not, um, they're not complicated questions. I'm either absent or I'm not. I'm either working the steps or I'm not. Um, you know, and, and life is becoming impossible. It's becoming impossible for me, right? And yet you offered me a spiritual way of life, and I'm like, well, how spiritual are we talking? I think that, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, this is the only disease that I'm dying from anorexia, bulimia, and laxative, and, and exercise abuse, and you offer me a solution, and I'm questioning it. You know, and, and recently, um, I learned that accept means to let in, let, or, and admit means to let in. So am I admitting I have no power, no choice, and no control around the food? If I let in, if I let in that fact, am I going to let in spiritual help? Am I going to let in a teacher, a guide to help me stay entirely abstinent? Am I going to let in the 12 steps to change me entirely? And what, as a recovered woman, is my middle-of-the-road solution today? Right? Am I, am I saying, oh, you know, I have this 10 step and I am, my belly's on fire right now at 12 o'clock. But you know what? I don't have time. I don't have time to do a 10 step right now, even though I know cognitively that step 10 is during the day. You know what? I'm going to save that to step 11. Or am I, am I not, did I not complete my amends? Do I have outstanding amends? Well, you know what? KDG, I have a lot of bills to pay. You know, am I, am I not seeking God? Am I not taking my quiet time and listening? God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? 
And am I not trying to carry this message? Am I not practicing entire abstinence and trying to carry this message to other women because that is my lifeline? So, you know, thank you, God, I am not living in the middle-of-the-road solution around my, my disease, my active, you know, um, food-addicted behaviors. And I need to continue to ask myself, am I middle-of-the-road today or am I going to accept, am I going to let in that spiritual help? And please, God, help me let that in for another 24 hours, shoulder-to-shoulder with all of you, God willing. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Do I have the name correct, Shlomit Hana, is it? Yes, you do. You said it perfectly. Thank and you so much. And your initial as well. <clears throat> B, like boy. Oh, got it. Shlomit Hama B, your turn. Okay. I'm sorry, it's actually Hana with an N. Hana. Um, Hana. Yes, Shlomit Hana. All right. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for your service, and thanks, everybody, for this meeting and um, wow, I really needed to hear that, that reading and the shares. Um, and what stuck out at me also was middle of the road. There is no middle of the road. I'm on day six, coming back from relapse. And this is, this is my truth right now. There is no middle of the road. Um, last night, I was hanging on by a thread and I really wanted to pick up. And I knew that if I, if I took that one little bite, then it would lead me to a binge, which it has always done. And there is no middle of the road with my abstinence. It's all or nothing right now. I can't afford to take one little bite, especially when I'm so newly abstinent. Um, and thank God it so happened that I had a phone call to make to a potential sponsor to start working the steps. And lo and behold, it was a wonderful conversation. And I have a new step sponsor. And for me, um, it's just becoming more and more clear that right now, especially since I'm in a precarious position um, where I still am going through some withdrawal and I still have the cravings, and the cravings come really, 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 really strong, that there is no middle-of-the-road solution. It has to be that I throw myself into this program, and that means, for me, staying abstinent, committing my food, being honest, coming on to this meeting and hearing the message, and working the steps. Last night, I read the doctor's opinion and, um, you know, I was reminded of <clears throat> the allergy of the body, the mental twist, the obsession of the mind. And if I had taken that bite yesterday, that's exactly where I would be. The allergy would be infected again. My mind would be obsessed. And I would have lied to myself. I was lying to myself saying, well, you know, you can start tomorrow, well, you know, there never is a tomorrow. That's a lie I used to tell myself all the time. And there is no tomorrow. The only solution is really to be completely and totally immersed in this program. And I really see that again and again and again, that I've got to throw myself in and have that support of the fellowship if I want to get through this. Because, you know, um, when I was picking up and when I was binging, 
um, over and over and over again. My body got infected with the allergy, and I still have that taste. And those tastes comes in, form, comes in forms of cravings. And it's very, very, very hard to be able to withstand the cravings. And there's only a spiritual solution. And, of course, the one thing I didn't say, which, of course, is the most important, is hanging on to my higher power. I have to wait. Okay, thank you. More than three minutes, yeah. Thank you so much. Next time, we'll stay tuned. Larry Kay. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for your service, Rebecca. Good morning. Um, You know, let me see if I can... try an interpretive dig into this paragraph a little bit. It helps me to do that. I'm faced with two choices here, except spiritual help or more disease. There's only two. And I can come to Overeaters Anonymous with a beautiful, lovely, well-intentioned relationship with my higher power and still be practicing this disease because my faith without work is dead. My faith without work is de- with, without works is dead. And so how am I going to accept spiritual help, not just in the desire, the wanting to accept spiritual help. I'm going to accept spiritual help by working these steps, putting the food down, of course, and then working these steps, following the instructions as only a human being can imperfectly. You know, there's a there's a um, a concept called confirmation bias. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of that confirmation bias? It's a type of cognitive bias that involves favoring information that confirms my my existing beliefs, my existing biases. That's what we call confirmation bias. So, for example, you know, imagine if my belief was that uh, left-handed people are more creative, more intelligent than right-handed people. I'm going to go look for some left-handers, some lefties out of the bullpen, and I'm going to find some that are creative, and I'm going to find some that are intelligent, and that's going to confirm my prevailing bias, my prevailing belief, irrespective of those right-handers, right? See, again, sometimes for me, my unconscious mind really seems to be like a, a repository of mystery, and I desperately want to wrap my brain around the mystery, so I want to come into this program with a belief. I have a good feelings about God. Isn't that enough? I want this, and I have a re- I've had a relationship with God, and yet I'm not getting this thing that I hear and see in you. What's going on here? Maybe this God doesn't exist, and then I'll look for some confirmation bias to suggest that's so, and I'll find it. I'll find whatever I'm looking for. And my question for me was, is it plausible? Is it possible? Just maybe by working these steps, the door of the spiritual dimension begins to open in unexpected ways and in and, and, and areas of my mind. And, and absolutely, I begin to see for myself through these actions. You know, it's as if my journey of the action is channeled. It's channeled and directed into something that I don't have words to describe, but I can feel it, and it's happening. And I, and I begin to experience it. It's experiential. But words describing it will never do it justice. And, I, and I, so I have to put my confirmation bias aside because if I, wrapping up, Rebecca, if I have a bias that I can do right. this without putting the food down, I will find people that are not putting the food down and think that's my way. 
and it's not. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry K. Devorah S. Here I am. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service and everyone on this line that makes this meeting possible. I'm Devorah S. and I'm on a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And I have two choices here. Either I go to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our mentality situation. That's basically what I was doing my whole life. You know, getting fatter and fatter, sicker and sicker, running to doctor to doctor, and um, not able to stop eating. And I just thought that, okay, so I'm going to just die. That was it. You know, this is what my life is about. This is, I'm going to just, you know, this is it. Until someone shared her program with me, and I went to my meetings, and I heard you talk and hear. Um, and honestly, I got into program and I did, I was doing a middle of the road program, I, but it was working. Um, but then it stopped working because I was, you know, that pink cloud, you know, I lost the weight and it was feeling great and everything. But, but after a while, it doesn't, I was still restless, irritable, and discontented. I was still waking up in the morning and I said, is this what it's all about, really? And, um, you know, God was somewhat in my, in my daily activities because my sponsor said I need to wake up in the morning and ask God for a spiritual day and then not a spiritual day, an abstinent day, and then thank him for at night for an abstinent day. And that was the that was the that was the extent of where I was growing spiritually. You know, just ask thanking thanking God and and and, and asking God. And and that was basically it. You know, like what was going on between the days. And you know, thank God, you know, and I saw that wasn't working anymore. And this book was opened up to me and I started learning what I needed to do and taking these actions, you know, these actions, you know, working these steps each day. Um, and it can't be a middle of the road. It has to be every single day um, where I'm implementing these steps in my life today um, and turning to God throughout the day. The only way I'm going to grow spiritually is when I invite God in and I bring him in and I'm taking the actions. And pausing throughout the day and seeing what is it that God wants for me today. Um, and extending of myself, putting myself, you know, out there and helping another person to what was given to me. Um, and learning, you know, I'm learning in this program on how to, to get out of myself and to be of service to other people. Um, so, you know, really, really grateful. You know, this, this has such meaning to me. Um, and I'm so grateful that um, I have another day today and to work with you guys. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tavora S. So if you would like to share on this paragraph, the third paragraph on page 25 that begins with, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were and haven't shared in the past couple of meetings, please uh, give me your name and uh, last initial. from Okay, I heard Barbara E. Kelly S. That was it. Kelly S. Was it CBC? Was it CBC? Yeah. I got Cynthia C. So I only read Kim G. Nessa R. Nessa R. Did you get Amy G. in there? I didn't. Thank you, Amy G. I may have time for one more. Judith R. 
Judith R. Okay. So I'll tell you who I have, and I have a feeling this is all we'll have time for, in case, unless some people don't use their full three minutes. Barbara E., Kelly S., Cynthia C., Kim G., Nessa R., Amy G., and Judith R. Barbara E., please go ahead. Oh, thank you for allowing me to be in this lineup. I love the analogy to the birch tree that gently lets go of its bark when the tree has grown. But if the bark is torn too early, the tree will be hurt. Similarly, I didn't want to deprive myself of the wisdom and growth by trying to hurt the, hurry the process. I guess the God I didn't know I had thought I wasn't yet ready until I'd suffered enough. I had gotten abstinent, but I was white-knuckling it all the way. But I needed, desperately needed, to be willing to live the steps and honor the traditions to get more of the emotional and spiritual resculpturing I desperately needed. I came in, yes, to lose weight, stop binging, and finally be able to maintain a healthy relationship with food, which was my best friend, always there to calm me down and lift me up so that I could face the day ahead until the day came when it turned on me and became my worst enemy, my nightmare, my monster from the deep dark lagoon. I didn't feel capable of achieving the effective spiritual experience that Bill had, but I recognized I needed a power. I needed to at least accept the possibility that there was a power outside of myself that wasn't human that would be there for me. Today, I'm absolutely certain that there is a God of my own understanding out there holding me gently around my shoulders through good times and especially bad times. And this higher power of mine loves me and every hair on my head, no matter what I do. So I really had no choice but to pick up that spiritual toolkit that they talked of and I didn't yet understand but I was desperate enough to learn since I felt certain this disease was going to kill me. Certainly doctors had warned me of it. This program and this spiritual toolkit that I hadn't yet understood has indeed saved my life. By completely abandoning myself to the concept of God that sometimes burns a low light, flicker of light inside me and sometimes is high, but is always there if I nurture that flame. I want to be saved for another day where I will not want to binge and I will be a more loving wife, mother, friend, always willing to be helpful to others, not always thinking about a giant me and turning that me upside down into a giant we, helping others Giving service has saved my life. OA has saved this person who Thanks. was doomed to death for another day. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Kelly S. Good morning, Rebecca. It's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive uh, Overeater in Oklahoma. Thanks for letting me share. Um, first of all, if we were as seriously alcoholic as we were, um, that took me a long time in these rooms to truly 
accept that I was the real alcoholic. And until then, I wasn't going to do any of this, right? At least I didn't. Um, so that was a big uh, thing for me. And life was becoming impossible. And like the reader shared, um, that's where I was. You know, I had this fear, this evil encroding thread, as it says, that I was going to live the rest of my life, which would be a long, long life, struggling in this disease because I was, you know, I was hopeless. I'd been around these rooms for 30-something years and didn't work. And uh, it was becoming impossible. And so I could either go on to the bitter end or um, accept spiritual help. So, you know, for a long time I kept saying, um, well, I didn't understand. I've been in OA all these years, and I, I really thought, I truly believed the whole point of this program was to get abstinent and stay abstinent, right? I didn't understand. The point was to get abstinent. We put the food down 100% so that we can work these spiritual steps and get a spiritual relationship with God. I didn't understand that. <clears throat> Guess what? I understood that for two years and still didn't do the work. I listened to these meetings for two years, and once I even I finally got it, right? But wasn't willing to do the work. So um, I, I couldn't even use that excuse anymore. So I could either continue doing what I was doing. And what I love here, uh, it says, the, the very last sentence, this we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. I was reading that again today, and I thought, this is the thing that I started hearing in vision for you. This program's not for people who need it. And then it goes on. Now we honestly wanted to. It's not for people who wanted it. I finally wanted it. We were willing to make the effort. What does that mean? We had to do it. I had to do it. And I know I've shared that so many times. It's like, so I had to finally pick up that spiritual toolkit. Once I accepted that the whole point of this program, put down the food 100%, like it says in the doctor's opinion, I was a real alcoholic. There was no sort of abstinent, kind of abstinent. I had to put it down 100%, plug in the jug, not a little bit of near beer, right? And then I had to understand these steps. This big book is to get me to a relationship with a higher power. That's the whole point of this book. You know, it's in the we agnostics. That's what it's about. Once I accepted that, and then what I do, I got to get busy. I got to start working these steps every day because guess what? I cannot fit this program into my life. My disease did not get fit into my life. My disease took over my life. It was my life. It engulfed my life. It was ruining my life in every way. So now I want this program. I have to spend time with my higher power every day. I cannot just work the tools. I have to work the steps, get to God, spend time with my higher power, and do this day in, day out. And I do have a life beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you guys so much. With that, I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. Cynthia C. Thank you so much, moderator, for your service. I'm really grateful to everybody who makes this meeting possible. This is Cynthia C., compulsive overeater and food addict. And um, this is a really uh, powerful paragraph. You know, I I definitely, um, you know, a serious alcoholic and a serious compulsive reader and food addict. I had three and a half years of recovery in another 12-step food program. I was really focused on the abstinence part of it. And... You know, the promises were coming true in my life. I got married, and probably like a couple days after our wedding, I lost my abstinence. And within the first few months of our marriage, I gained, I think, at least 60 pounds, at least. Probably more, because I certainly wasn't getting on the scale then. Um, And that was a lovely wedding present. Um, I am just, you know, I thought life was going to be impossible. I... I was in a position where life was impossible. I, I had no idea how to function without food. I, 
uh, my emotions were out of control. I, I'm positive I was not the nicest wife in the world. And when we had kids, I was not the nicest mother. I felt like everything was out of control. Um, and I tried all, you know, um, what were they like these intuitive eating groups? I, I, I weight watchers for 14 years. I mean, uh, so many things. Um, and, and I knew in the back of my head that the 12 steps were the answer, but I thought, I don't like, I, I don't want to lower myself to that. I don't want to do that. Like, I, I guess I couldn't humble myself. Um, and I really thought I was going to go to the bitter end and just like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get free of it. And it wasn't just the weight, you know, it wasn't just the weight. It was everything. It was how out of control my life was and how bitter I was and how angry and I was just miserable, you know, and it wasn't until, it wasn't until I could pray. Like really not formal prayer, not from a prayer book, just pray from the bottom of my heart and say to God, I'm so desperate. I don't know what to do. Please guide me. And, and honestly, I got to say, it was like a billboard going off in my head over Eaters Anonymous. And I thought oh, I couldn't do that because the meetings are too far away. It's too much. It's too hard. They end up being a meeting four blocks from my house. Um, you know, and then within a day or two, I found a vision for you. And then I have a meeting every single day in my own home. I get to connect with many, many, many recovered people. You know, and, and this is a spiritual, I needed spiritual help. And and I couldn't get abstinent on my own. I just, for those of you who are struggling, like I, I could not, it took me a while to put down the food, like weeks, maybe. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't years. Um, and I had to really humble myself um, and get down and pray to God to, to grant me the willingness, just grant me the willingness to, to do the next right thing, grant me the willingness to let go of the food, grant me the willingness to take on a food plan, grant me the willingness to do whatever it was Thanks. my yeah. sponsor was telling me. So with that, I pass, and I pray that, you know, if you're struggling, please, please, please keep coming back. Thank you very much for your service. Thank you, Cynthia C. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, a recovered compulsive overeater, and being flooded with memories um, of being in relapse and, and being in LA for 17 years and thinking this isn't going to work for me and, and hearing this uh, and being in a healthy OA meeting and hearing about the intolerable situation because I thought the intolerable situation was being in the food. And if that is my truth, then simply abstinence would be enough because you see, I thought I had a food and weight problem and if food was my problem, and abstinence would be the solution. If food was my problem, when the food goes down, the problem goes away. But if I'm a compulsive overeater, if I'm as seriously an alcoholic as this book has described to me up to this point, when the food goes down, my problem begins. What I was taught in this healthy away meeting is the intolerable situation is being abstinent. That's my real problem. Because when the food goes down, what happens for me is life gets loud. I don't know how to quiet it down. And people talked about back-to-back abstinence. You mean you want me to be abstinent in the morning, the evening, and the afternoon? That is so painful. Why? Because when I put the food down, I get restless. I get irritable. I get discontent. I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin. And when I'm in that intolerable situation, I have two alternatives. Now, alternative is different than choice. Choice means I can do it or not do it. 
alternatives, I'm going to do one or the other. And what are those one or the others? What are those two alternatives? When I'm in a terrible situation where life is so uncomfortable, I'm either going to blot out the consciousness of that situation, which is I'm going to pick up the food, or I'm going to seek spiritual help, which is to pick up the steps. So when I've exhausted all other alternatives, and I'm down to just these two, and life is so intolerable, I'm going to pick up the food or pick up the steps. Pick up the food or pick up the steps. And gracefully, gracefully, over eight years ago, I was at a point where life was impossible. I understood I was as seriously alcoholic as these people in this book, the 10% of people that eat, not the 10% of the people that are overweight. And I, thank God, came to the conclusion that I wanted recovery just a smidge more than I wanted the food. And with that, I passed. Thanks, Kim G. Nessa R. Hi, good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, for me, uh, a middle-of-the-road solution doesn't mean um, the middle point between two extremes. It actually means trying to bring two extremes together successfully. Um, like, for example, eating all the cheesecake I want and still be thin. And I pursued that middle-of-the-road solution for 46 years of my life. Nine of those um, actually in the rooms of OA, and it didn't work. You know, like it didn't work. If there was a middle of the road solution, I wouldn't be here. And so I believe it when the big book says there is no middle of the road solution. For whom? If you were as seriously alcoholic as we were. So for a compulsive overeater of my kind, a compulsive overeater like me, there is no middle-of-the-road solution. Otherwise, I just wouldn't be here. Um, and I also want to comment on the word alternative. And that word, word uh, in a similar concept or the same concept is uh, expressed in page 44 when it says, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. And let's face it, if it was easy and it requires no effort, everybody would be recovered. But it is not easy and it requires a lot of effort. Um, but, you know, like what choice do I have? You know, if I don't live on a spiritual basis, then I'm going to die um, with my faith in the food. And, you know, to me, this is a decision that I make every single minute of the day. Um, I don't make the decision to choose God or to, or to choose the food only when I'm eating, when I'm faced with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I don't make that choice only when I'm doing my morning meditation. I, I make that choice all throughout the, the day. You know, yes, step two is a conclusion of the mind, but it's a conclusion of the mind that I make throughout the day. So, you know, if I, for example, if I make the decision to sleep in instead of attending this meeting, or um, if I choose to, um, you know, just read something fun instead of doing my evening meditation, um, if I choose to yell at my kids instead of pausing and doing a 10 steps, uh, if I choose not to sponsor, like all those are choices that I make throughout the day that I either bring me close to the food or they bring me um, close to God. You know, we're going to read um, later on and we agnostic that either God is everything or else he's nothing. And the way I say it for me is either God is everything 
or the food is everything because those are my alternatives. It's God or the food. You know, a horrible life uh, living in the food or a great life living um, in the solution, in the, in, the, in the realm of the spirit. And needless to say, I choose the second. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Amy G. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you, everyone, for such an awesome meeting. I agree. This is such a powerful paragraph. I have it highlighted so much. It's bled through on the other page. But there's a um, this whole idea of the middle of the road solution. It reminds me of page 59 where it says, half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked for protection and care with complete abandon. And then it says, here are the steps we took. I understand what those half measures were because I tried to do that. That was my answer to the middle of the road solution. When I came to overeating, admitting that I was powerless, I had no problem admitting that I was a compulsive overeater. What was the solution? The solution had to get. I had to step aside. I had to put myself and my self will. And all that I thought I knew using my mind and my thinking and my knowledge, and I had to put it aside. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't like the solution, thank you very much. I'll just use the program buffet style, as people say. And I spent almost five years in compulsive compulsive overeating torture in Overeaters Anonymous because I was unwilling to step aside and truly embrace the solution as if there was no other alternative. And for me, there was no other alternative. It describes it perfectly in vision for you. I can paraphrase it a little bit, but it says, not so with us in those last days of heavy eating. The old pleasures were gone. They were but memories. Never could I recapture the great moments of past. There was the insistent yearning to enjoy life as I once did and the heartbreaking obsession that some new control would enable me to do it. There was always one more attempt and one more failure. And further down, as I became a subject of King Food, shivering denizen of his mad realm. That's what food was for me. Was food, when it could be, was food going to be my God? Or was the spiritual concept of this solution, these 12 steps, working these 12 steps, were going to be my solution? Was I willing to make the effort, beaten and pummeled by this disease and trying it my way after almost Absolutely, I was to die. I didn't want to live this way anymore. No other choices. And at some point, I stand at the same point. And I may have lost the power of choice in my food, but I do have the power of choice to say, ultimately, I give. I finally gave, and I made a choice to surrender to this program and to look to you all, and whom the problem had been solved, to show me the instructions in this book and what to do. My solution at that point spiritually was only to say, I am willing. I didn't understand the whole God concept thing, but I was willing to say, it's not me. It's got to be a power greater than me because this disease is killing me, and I can't cope with life. It says here there comes a point where you can't imagine living with the food or living without it, and that was certainly where I was. There is hope. There is a solution, and this is the solution that was for me, and it works if you work it, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy G. Your signal wasn't 100%, but I think we could hear you good enough. Just wanted you oh, to know. Uh, Jude, I, unless it's my phone. <laughs> Judith R. 
Good morning, Beth, Rebecca, and everybody. Judith R. Gratefully Recovered in Vermont. Um, a few years ago, I noticed with a sponsee that on page 20 of There is a Solution, we got to the point where it said, what do I have to do? And then Bill said, it's the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically, but before going, and we're going to tell you what we have done before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points. And I was reading with the sponsee, and I was like, wait, wait, he was just going to tell us what to do, and now he's going to make us wait? So I just looked at why did he make us wait between 20 and 25, page 20 and 25. So in those five pages, he taught us that we don't know why we do it, we've lost control and choice, and we're going to die or go insane. And then on 25, he, at the very top, he says, there is a solution. And so now we get it. And now this last paragraph is the last part of him explaining to us what's going on. And it turns out there's a solution. What's the solution? Accept spiritual help. And I think he knew that so many of us were going to flip out if he said that right away. He had to explain to us who we were and that we were going to die before he had to lay it on us that we were going to have to accept spiritual help. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judith R. We have two more minutes. Who would like to take them? Rowena Kay. Rowena Kay. The floor is yours. Thank you. Hi, Dave. My name is Rowena Kay. Um, yeah, um, middle of the road solution. Um, I like to think that that's actually simply the commitment to working the program um, and accepting that I'm an addict and that I can't bargain with myself no matter what. Um, and we were in the position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, um, that place from which there is no no return without sorry through human aid um, is about God, and that's kind of like the only thing that will really get me out of um, the impossible situation, which is actually my head. Um, and it's really hard to explain the impossible situation when I'm in it, um, and it comes because. If I don't work my program, I just get into this impossible situation, which, when I work my program, is just gone, like, in the click of a finger, basically. Um, and the bitter end is actually either um, committing suicide or it's, which I, I, I wouldn't do, obviously, but um, it's using the food. Um, and those are, you know, the options um, for me. Um, and the food is my solution. It really, really is. Without food, I would actually be dead. Um, so, and I can get into a place where I want to kill myself without food. You know, I can be in, you know, that horrible, impossible place um, without the food. So, it really isn't about the food. It's it's about my alcoholic head. Um, and I get to that when I'm not in the food. Um, when I'm in recovery, I can get to that if I don't keep myself spiritually fit. Um, I like that it says 
um, there's no other alternative other than to accept spiritual help. And it doesn't say, um, it doesn't actually talk about God there. It talks about accepting spiritual help. Mm. I can't, thank you. I'll pass there. Thanks. Sorry to cut you off, Rowena Kay. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Monday, May 13th, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 12,894. That's 12894. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Craig F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Sure. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.